exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories. Their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Laurie Schoffenfeld. And we decided before that I should say it's Schoffenfeld which I think is a little bit of a cross between um, a German and a British accent. You, you agree with that, Laurie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I am like notoriously bad at accents. So, um, you know, I appreciate you, you lying with me, but it made me happy. To <laughs> but there's, there's, um, there's, there's no um, accent that is issued by the last name of green. You know, it's, yeah, it's good. But my maiden name was hard. So I feel really happy to have an easy last name. Sorry. Sorry. Schoffenfeld. <laughs> you can do British and say green, you know, just roll it off your tongue. So my husband's middle name is Owen. So is Nathan O. Green, right? And so one day a telemarketer called and they said, hello, is Nathan O. Greeny there? <laughs> That's very Irish. And I was like, no, he's off chasing leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a great. And the funniest thing is they were like, oh, he's not there. And I'm like, you really weren't even. I mean, he's not there. even being like, you're lying to me. He's not chasing leprechauns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I thought I was endlessly hilarious and laughed for days about that, <laughs> you know, because I find me entertaining, but I want to go into a little bit about you. You have an amazing story of resilience. And one thing that is, I don't know if in our interaction with each other, I know we've met in person, um, Mm -hmm. you know, cause not, you know, sometimes we just kind of meet cause I spoke and then you messaged me later and said, we're friends. And I was like, okay, we're friends. Um, am I remembering that correctly? We've like engaged and talked and had conversations and all that. I had no idea. Oh, wait, stop. She is drinking from a chip cup from beauty and the beast. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And she just, you know, like a little princess. Um, but in meeting you and for a long time, it was not on my radar, the story that you were going to tell. And so it kind of surprised me, which I love that when people have real, real challenges and they're not like, hi, Mm -hmm. this is me. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the speaking world, you know, I've seen speakers come and go that have a really like crazy story. But once you've heard the speech, you've heard the speech. Right. If you're not becoming more, um, Chad Hymas, you know who Chad Hymas is? Yes, I do. Yeah. So yeah. Chad Hymas is a perfect example. He's one of the most demand in the world who was made a paraplegic um, because of a accident and you know he made a mistake that he's pretty open about you know it was a hay bale that fell on him mm-hmm. um and you know he's paraplegic 
but he is not, does not go around speaking about the hay bale or why he's in a wheelchair. He goes around speaking about whatever the crap he wants to and breaks all the speaking rules because he's so freaking amazing. It's annoying. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't even have his PowerPoint up. He'll be like on his computer, like, oh, and you're fascinated. Like he, like, you know, you go to these meetings and we're like, you know, make sure, you know, you've got this and it's timed and, you know, everything is like your production and you're the producer of your show and you're, and he's like, you know, I think I'm going to tell you guys this next. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. He's so freaking good. But, um, the point is he's not branding himself by his bad. And so I just want to give kudos to you, Lori, that I've known you for who knows how long now, I'm not sure several years. I'm thinking five, six years. Mm-hmm, around five for sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, pre-pandemic, we go way back. That's like 10 years of friendship, you know? Like it could have been 10. All I know the past few years blend together. So yeah. And you're active <laughs> on social media like I am. And so a lot of times when people are like surprised and shocked, you know, around um April 1st and May 24th to find out that I buried a child. And I'm like, how are you surprised? Because I share that really openly. Oh, this time of year. But I love how you have this, you don't brand yourself about it but yet you're open. And I just think that's fantastic. So good for you. I had a little soapbox of don't be a whiner. That's what that was. <laughs> love people. Cause we're, there's so many stories that we have. We're not just like one story and that's the only thing that defines us. And so I agree with you just finding out those little nuggets of surprise because we all have multiple layers to us. I love how you said that. I love how you said that because I have a whole entire speech about labels and getting rid of labels. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, it makes me so sad when I see people being like, I am da da da. Cause I'm like, you just limited Mm -hmm. yourself and you're more than what I see. Aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just like, I love that Chad Hymas is not defining himself by being a paraplegic and you can see it every time you see him, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like, you're going to be like, what, there's a wheelchair there. I didn't even see that. It's crazy. I just thought you were really short, you know, <laughs> you see it, but if we define ourselves by the obvious, we are cheapening other people's ability to get to know who we are. So I love how you said that. Mm. Yeah. And you don't get to experience the growth of life. I don't feel like as there's always things that are moving and changing and that we're learning and it defines the next step of who we want to be. And that should always be moving and growing, not consistently saying the same exact thing. Which is what was a a point of my last podcast. So those listening to these back to back will be like, boom, there you go. That was just (laughs) mentioned eloquently, you know? So Lori, um, though, everyone else has just met you. And I've just said not to start with your story. That is the point of share your hotness is to go (laughs) into the story that I love so much about who you are and what you've overcome. So the floor is yours. Well, um, it's so funny because you just asked that and you're like, the floor is yours. And I'm like, what to tell you? Because there's so many different, beautiful pieces (laughs) to share. It's like different parts of your journey and story. But um, today, I think the biggest thing that I'd like to share is that scoliosis became my self-confidence and also my strength. And why 
that was such a great story and thing for me to learn. Side note, everyone, did you notice how she framed it all in positives? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for this um, PSA interruption. I love that because I did not see it, Alita. At the beginning, I didn't see it as a strength. And I didn't see that it was an opportunity for confidence. I saw that it was a weakness and something where people were looking down on me, where I wanted to hide in those moments from myself and from other people. Because well, so you were born with it. Mm-hmm. So you can't really be faulted for, um, you know, having to go through several evolutions as a child on how you saw it. Mm-hmm. That being said, we all get to grapple with the, the range of emotions when new challenges come. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that's why they get to hear your story because it's going to help them go, oh, yeah, maybe I could look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a home with lots of forms of abuse before I found out that I had scoliosis at 13. And so I was always really taught at a young age to only show yourself and be presentable if you looked good and if you were perfect and you, if you had just the right message to share, otherwise be quiet, don't draw attention to yourself, don't say anything that's going to make your family or yourself look bad. And so I already up until, you know, birth to 13 had grown up with these ideas and mentalities of what I should and shouldn't be to have approval and love and attention. Okay. I mean, all of that is, that's all like, there's a lot of juicy stuff in there (laughs) because you had been taught that love was conditional. Yes. And of course that bled into love of yourself, setting up a framework that your love of yourself needs to be conditional. And obviously, since you just said it, you've overcome the ability or the need or the drive, which I find very fascinating. to not have to please your family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. That's been a beautiful long journey, Lita, of continuing to have rebirths with myself mm-hmm. and allowing myself to have clean slates all the time to check in to who I am in this moment. And next year I'll check in again and say, what do you want to be? Who right. do you want to create? But continually having that. Right. Because there's not an arrival. Like I'm always telling people, like I wrote the book on confidence, (laughs) but I wake up every morning using the tools. I'm, I still will have moments of, and then I'll be like, wait, what's your tool? It's not like I'm just this perfectly never have any, whatever you perceive a confident person to be, which typically there's, oh, you never have doubts. You never have fear. You never have uh, no, no, I have all of those feelings, but I just grab the tools. And so that opportunity to be assessing and being proactive about who you are instead of reactive is allowing you to grow. Yes. Yeah. And I think on my journey, the scoliosis was actually the very first thing Lita that taught me that I could shift that experience. Mm. I also want to point out how cute it is that you were like Lita. You're making this very personal. It's a very good conversational skill, Lori. So I so even noticed that I noticed Lori that you were using my name, and I'm like, I should be better about that. I like that. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's a great skill. You know, people using people's name. I feel, I feel, I feel very heard at my podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I, know you're not, I know you're not putting it on for the podcast, but I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's really beautiful. I like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use Lori's name at least eight more times in this conversation. <laughs> and then I'll be like, give myself a gold star on my forehead. Okay. Lori, I apologize that I interrupted you with my ADD. Please continue with how you were saying that it was the first opportunity you had to look at a challenge as a gift, mm-hmm. even though you had lots of challenges. Can I say that I love this because I have ADHD? So, like, I see you so much right now, and I'm like, we're going to go on these wonderful, like, random conversations today. It's going to be beautiful and vibrant. But you people are like, so what are all the questions you're going to ask me? I'm like, I don't know. Do you really want to supply a list of questions to me? No, let's just have a conversation like we would do as normal humans. Yes. Yep. Let's, mm-hmm. just, let's just do that. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Oh, wait, here's, here's my cup. Okay. (laughs) For those of you who can't see, she picked up her chip and I picked up my um, 70 ounces of water that I'm halfway through with today. I do two of these a day. 140 ounces. Mm -hmm. How's that feeling for you? I've been doing it for like three years. Nice. And I can't live without it. I get headaches without Mm -hmm. it. Mm Mm-hmm. I just started doing it. And that was the first thing that I'm beginning to recognize is like, there's a difference in with my headaches and how I feel energy wise. Yeah. We are water. And what forced me to do it was some colon issues. Mm -hmm. And I will not go into the poopy details. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even though I've had colon surgery to get those things repaired. um, Days that I don't have water, like it just... I, you know, we are, water is life. It helps me think better. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that people will describe, you know, since we talked about ADD medication that they get from ADD medication, I'm like water. And then you'll hear people be like, switch from drinking soda to this juice I sell. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that juice has a lot of good things in it. And I, mm-hmm. I take a juice supplement. Um, but water, maybe we should start with drinking water. Lots and lots of water. Um, a health coach told me a few years ago that you had to drink for every, um, so if you weigh a hundred pounds, you have to drink 50 ounces of water. Mm-hmm. So if you're 200 pounds, you have to drink a hundred ounces of water. So I'm overdoing what I'm supposed to drink on water, but I'm giving my body the opportunity to flush out all of those toxins, mm. all of that stuff. And if I drink under 70 ounces, I can feel it you know, which is, which, which is why I had my charity in the native American community because they didn't have access to water. So they're drinking one, eight ounce of water a day. And when you have diabetes rampant on the reservation, because we took away their natural food sources and gave them spam Mm -hmm. and everybody food deserts and blah, 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 you know, how damaging that was that it really pricked my heart because I could sit there and drink as much water as I want. And I knew the difference of how it made me feel. It's Mm -hmm. just, why are we fixing all these problems around the board when we haven't fixed clean water people? I'm sorry, this podcast is not about water. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. That's such a good question. Like why? That's. Mm-hmm. I think that that should be 
the first human right outside of safety, you know, not being a slave, which mm-hmm. we still have more people in slavery on this planet than we've ever had. You know, people are talking about, you know, all these different stuff. And I don't want to like be mean to anyone's pet project, but I'm like, let's go to the basic human needs. Mm-hmm. We need food, water, shelter, well, shelter, water, food, um, community significance. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering that correctly. People can Google me, but you know, long before we need actualization, which is what we're talking about right now, the actualization of your value and in relation to your challenges. Mm-hmm. If you were starving, we would not be able to have the zoom conversation. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. guessing that most people listening to this podcast are not worried about starving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But drink your water, people. Okay. <laughs> oh, my heavens. You, you tell me you have ADD. That was just opening the door, you know, because you're just going along with my tangents. So back to you, welcome, Lori. <laughs> you're welcome. Lori. <laughs> okay. So you were talking about how it's your first opportunity. You're really looking at this. I got all excited about water, I think. I don't know. There was a point in there that you developed, but we went off into the water. Yeah. Okay. So go, go back to, so for those with ADD, just go back to (laughs) what you were saying. So at 13 is when I found out that I had scoliosis. Um, I went to the doctor for common cold. My back was hurting at that point. Hmm. And they found out that I had a 35 degree curve already. Um, I was instantly put into a back brace, which anyone who knows what a scoliosis back brace is, it looks like a girdle, but it's not pretty. And it's like, this is exactly what you want. So did it press up the girls or just, Oh yeah. Men or yeah. So just made them awkward all the way around. The whole thing, you wore an undershirt under the brace, which is great because it was right underneath the girls up into the armpits curving into your hips. So when you sat down, it would press into your thigh. Like th- there Maybe. was nothing comfortable about it. Like there were welts yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh. So you just developed with those welts and you developed like a callus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All the time. So you're swimming, you're doing sports, probably not. They probably mm-hmm. have limitations. Yeah. It was 22 hours a day wearing a brace for over a year. So there was no swimming. There was not sports. I got two hours to basically take it off just so that I could re-put on another undershirt as it's sweaty, um, to fix my welts and then just to breathe a little bit. But that was other than that, it was on all the time. So in order for them to immediately put you in there, it, my assumption is, is that that pain was actually probably pretty extreme, but because it had just been building up over time, you'd come accustomed to that level of pain. So it was pretty acute for them to be that immediate in the treatment. Am, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So and growing up in my home, you didn't, for me, I didn't want to tell people that I was struggling or that I was in pain because it was your burden or your problem. And so I kept a lot of it like everything's fine. I probably would not have said anything at that point, unless I didn't have the doctor that was just doing the normal 13 year old 
scoliosis checkup at a cold doctor appointment. But that's interesting too, because, um, well, um, my, my mother had a common phrase that said, you know, you're a kid, you don't have real feelings. Mm -hmm. So I, I get you, I get you. Right. But it's interesting that you're like, I probably wouldn't have said anything if it hadn't been for the doctor and that need for permission to be seen, how sad that was that you had to have a medical professional be like, Hey, she has pain. It's a real thing Mm -hmm. that even as an adult, you're saying I had to have that approval that valid. I don't even want to say it goes deeper than a validation, like the permission that would be, I think the right word to, to even have medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we everybody can just kind of go mm-hmm, with us right now. Mm-hmm. You get what we're putting mm-hmm. down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. It was definitely permission. Um, it was so painful because it would squeeze, just squeeze all your insides, which is what it's supposed to do is there straps on the back and they just tighten it and you can't breathe. And but then how does that straighten your back out? Is it just because it's helping prevent it from bowing out more? Yes, because your spine, when you're from 13 to 15, that is the best time where you're still having a lot of a growth spurt. And so they try to catch it early in hopes that if they have the brace, they can help move the bones to form back into the way before you've already, you know, once you have all of your growth, it's harder to have the bendableness of your bones. So that would be hope. Okay. 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 So I'm just kind of like, so when you see little kids in back braces, that's that's really sad. Mm -hmm. Because so you're saying that if you're on a certain scale of scoliosis, you're, they're going to be putting you in that brace where your bones are developed enough that they're harder, but still malleable 13 to 15. So when you see like a three-year-old in it, you know, that's a really bad shape. Yes. So empathy right there we can have, see, this is why it's important. We're learning because I know very little about scoliosis other than it's a bendy back. Yes. (laughs) Very knowledgeable. I saw a movie about it. Hmm. Yeah. So I know lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you're like, you gave me this little look like, is she serious right now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, but I'm actually curious what movie you saw. And I'm so glad they have movies actually that are talking about scoliosis. I think it just had a person in it. And it was like during the like 1950s and Mm -hmm. kid had this brace. And of course there's Forrest Gump, but that was bendy legs. Uh, I'm trying to think what it was, but I'm visually seeing a back brace that the kid had an early x-ray. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. you know, just, it wasn't really about scoliosis, but just this kid having it and it was difficult. And he was one of the characters in it. Mm-hmm. but they showed an x-ray in the movie. So I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm just curious now, what is that movie? I'm going to have to say, I, I, yeah, it, if I, it comes to me, you know, but I'm also know. one of those really weird people that like, um, you know, will just turn on some old movie, you know, and while I'm doing my busy work that now my assistants do, but you know, earlier in my, my career, 
you know, I would just, we literally play, I literally played a tablet to death because I just need, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and movies are just the right amount of not going to make me think too deep noise. Mm-hmm. Or like a podcast, I have to like be working out or something because if you're asking me to engage with it intellectually, it's going to yeah. distract me. Yeah. You know, I just want some noise in the background. And, you know, before we had, you know, these magical devices that were crack cocaine to any noise we needed. And I, I, <laughs> I'm a talking noise versus a music noise. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so it, I might not, you know, I mean, you know, unless it was watching it with my family, I may not be able to tell you what that movie was ever. So I don't want to build up your expectations. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I've watched 17 seasons of, uh, you know, um, can't even remember. It's a British murder documentary show. It was just perfect amount of not murder, you know, and British accents. So, yeah. See, can't even remember what it was right now. They're talking to me in British accents. This is that's, lovely. Oh, yes. All I need in the world. <laughs> As she picks up her cup again, I feel like we just tra- transported to England. Makes me so happy. Yes. Okay. So you were talking about how awkward and painful and of course, alienating with your peers. This must have been just mm-hmm. all kinds of awkward. So you're, you don't feel like I'm a guessing if we're going back to talk to little Lori that you had to emotionally deal with a lot of the social ramifications of having this brace alone because you didn't feel the right to be an emotional burden. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, not that I have any recognition of what that might feel like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I grew up with um, Donna Reed as a mother, you know, that greeted <laughs> me with, you know, uh, but I'm just, you know, just imagining what that would be like, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So very, very traumatic because you're already going through the normal emotions and puberty of being a 13 year old girl. Yeah. And being 13, you remember, it's already so awkward just in general. You don't know what in the heck is happening with your body. And then to add that, I was just Like I look at it now and I'm like, I think I did a lot of for sure bandaging and trying to ignore it because I had no idea what I was even looking at half the time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I consider possibly my greatest parental proof that I did something right is that my children loved, they came into themselves at 13 Mm. and 14 and loved junior high and have loved high school, mm-hmm. but they loved their, their, those years that I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't save you from this, <laughs> that they, though they loved it, you know, which I just, you know, I get a little teary eyed when I think about how, how that's such a great thing. And so that's why we just got to give kids so much compassion because if you got that kid that's awkward or difficult or maybe emotionally, maybe, maybe possibly they're not getting what they need. Mm-hmm. Yes. Somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. possibly, you know, that shy, awkward kid, you know, might just maybe be shy and awkward for a reason, you know, because of what they've been told, you know, or what's been beaten into them. 
you know, because it's just awkward anyway, having your body come into itself and your mind. It's just hard. It's just a hard time. Yeah. Unless you're my kids, evidently, because I made them go through all the talks, all the talks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just awkward when they were home. Now, now I'm seeing it. Now I'm seeing it in a new light. <laughs> okay, Laurie. So you're 13. How often are you going to the doctor? Um, it was every three to four months to see how things were moving, if they were expanding and growing, or if anything had moved down. Um, I took my brace off a lot when I was not supposed to. And that was one of those things that, you know, looking back on it, on it, I wish I had not. However, I understand why, like I'm giving a lot of love to that Laurie that I was in so much pain that I was just trying to ease something that I had control over. And that seemed like the thing, the one there, thing I could fix. Were the adults being like, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Or were they not aware that you were doing that? They were not aware. It was at night when I was supposed to be sleeping. Oh, okay. Okay. I try to hurry quickly and put it back on in the morning, strap it on, put on my big baggy shirt to try to hide that it, nothing had happened. And so of course, um, at night would have been a lot of potential for correction because the body muscles weren't biting as much. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're building up for a consequence. What was the consequence of that? Well, Lita. <laughs> yes. Lori, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, 15, I went in and we went from a 35 degree angle to a 62 degree angle at the top. And, and this then, is not where you want an improve. This is not where you want a bigger number. No, this is not, this is a test you want to get a zero on a hundred percent. You want a zero. On. Wait, no zero, a hundred <laughs> <laughs> straight. Just everything. 15. Yeah. Everything lower, so it it got worse. How devastating for you. Cause of course, as a kid, it's hard to put all the consequences together. You can't really blame. Even if you're, you had the most attentive parents, they might not have known at night that you were doing that. Yeah. So at 15 years old, you've had to go through all the torment socially of this brace only to be twice as worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's poopy. It was poopy. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> <For> our language. <laughs> and that moment too, of recognizing, you know, at 15, that, I also made specific choices. So I had some guilt and some shame that I put on myself at that point too, of this is my fault. And it's a secret I've been hiding, but yet I can't, I can't change this now. Like I can't go back and make the a value of giving ourselves grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard stuff. I think anybody listening could probably identify with the time in their life where they made a mistake and you can sit, rationalize and say, this is why I did it. Mm-hmm. But you still have to deal with these are the consequences. And if it was well-intentioned or just wanted to be a normal kid and be able to sleep well and, you know, mm-hmm. or you just pull out, did something stupid, you know, you know, like yep, driving <laughs> drunk or something, you know, right. You know, yep. um, those, those, those feelings of shame and guilt are, are real and they're a pooper and to have that level of it, because what did they tell you this would mean to you? 
that you were at a 62%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, it was not to have surgery and to be crippled by the time I was 30 with the progression that was happening or to have massive correctional surgery, which meant two titanium rods on each side of your spine and 16 hooks. And I would have to learn how to walk again and readapt to a new lifestyle completely. Okay. New lifestyle, meaning you've got a back rods. So we've cut all that muscle. We've cut through those nerves. So that's why you have to learn how to, because you basically, in my over-exaggerated say, you became like a, a paraplegic. There was not movement. Yeah. So you had to, so even though the, the nerves were not severed, so you were able to gain back movement, you had to earn that hard. So is that what you mean by the new lifestyle is physical therapy exercises every day. Yeah. Like no more more cheating at night. Nope. That was out. I already made that choice. No more options of that one at all. Okay. Well, there's a profound thing you just said, how one choice leads to the next choice leads the next choice to eventually we get to where our choices are gone Mm -hmm. and we can whine and rant and complain, you know, Mm -hmm. all we want. But I, I actually have a post coming out um, that by the time this is aired, it'll probably be out. But I, I used the line that something I learned from my daughter's death was that truth is truth and we cannot escape from it, mm-hmm. you know, and we can't, I, I can rant and rave, obviously with the parallel of her death, you know, why, why is this happening? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like this, this is the reality. And it led me to certain choices. Mm-hmm. And that became very real that there is no such thing as my truth. There mm-hmm. is only the truth. And when you are faced with, you are going to have surgery or be literally a crippled person, or your daughter is going to die in this form. Mm-hmm. There is no, no, that's not, I'm not willing to identify with that. No, I don't accept that. And I've, I've yelled that at the heavens before many times. Mm-hmm. You know, I do not accept, (laughs) I reject this, but it does not change the fact that that is the reality. Yes. Yep. Ow. Mm -hmm. And I know that was almost like controversial craziness, but there is no individual truth. There is only truth. And that is a really hard thing to say in our world because you want to be able to be like, okay, your mental health, your emotional health, whatever. Yeah. But you can't get the world to adjust to that. And you can't get the facts of life to adjust to that. And the better you're able to confront your facts, the better you're able to do the next chapter of Lori's story of how you took on that truth, that challenge. Mm-hmm. I yeah. set it up for you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at 15, I wasn't thinking about what it would look like. And I even, you know, they mentioned at that point that if you don't have the surgery, you will not be able to have kids. I was not thinking about having kids at that point, but I didn't. Oh, and nor at 15, do you want to have kids? Right. Right. Like that's not even in my radar at all, but I didn't want to not have that option in the future either. Okay, which is a certain level of maturity to even think you wanted the option. Was it more focused on, I want to be able to walk or just, I want to be able to 
stop having my stop having my choices constrict. It was more about me wanting to be able to walk again. That was because I would just say 15 to be thinking I want to have kids would would make you very advanced. I mean, (laughs) I love Lita. I have always loved. It's funny is even though I grew up in a home that was not very nurturing, I was always the girl that loved playing with little kids. Even when I was like 13, 14, I would find the crowd of little kids and go over and talk to them and play with them more than I would kids my age. I just felt way more comfortable being in that space of nurturing, Mm -hmm. almost like nurturing the piece of little Laurie that I felt never got to be nurtured is really what I felt like from a very early age, which feels way more mature, but that's, I think think you definitely (laughs) were. And I love how you said there was healing the little Lori, you know, because, um, a lot of times we are not nurtured. We are not very nurturing. Mm -hmm. And I, for a long time in my life, I remember saying as a 21 year old to um, my roommate, uh, it was actually my missionary companion. I was serving a mission for their church, but 21 years old person I was with 24 hours a day. So for those who haven't served a mission, someone your college roommate, you never got away from Uh, um, (laughs) that if my children went through the same, had to go through the same thing that I did in life. Mm-hmm. I would not have kids and meaning it hundred mm-hmm. percent that maybe I just wasn't meant to be a mom. And of course, over the next few years, begging God on my knees <laughs> to be able to have kids come that didn't come, you know, and how quickly our emotions and feelings. Thank you, Lori, for them. She's put her hand on her heart. Cause I like tear up, but uh, you know, those challenges, right? They, that we don't forget those feelings. And that's why I kind of wanted to go into at 15, there's no way you could have like done all of that, but evidently you had this nurturing empathy mm. that, that is really, you know, exceptional. I have a young lady in my life that I, I literally stole and kidnapped. So she's not legally mine, but she's, she's mine. Um, that, has that nurturingness. And it's very interesting because she wants to have 12 children. And I'm like, Sweet, that's my way to get tons of grandkids, you know, because again, she's not mine, but when we are in public, she looks more like me than my actual daughter does. Mm. So people are like, Oh, the sisters, mm-hmm. you know, cause if I'm owning the blonde one, clearly the one that looks like me is mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's half Hispanic, but clearly she's mine, you know? <laughs> that's, you know, but, um, it's, uh, I, I do think that's almost like a God given, um, gift you were given to have that nurturingness because you needed that knowledge Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I want to fight for the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. See, that was a helpful dissection. We looked at our gifts. Why do I have those gifts? Mm -hmm. To me always takes us back to individuality of the divinity that we are given. That's just proof. When we go back to the course of our life and see those gifts we have, to me, it's just like this map that God touched us just where we needed to be, just Mm -hmm. how we needed to be. And I didn't need to fight for the ability to have children at 15. So I didn't have that nurturingness. And a lot of us don't, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's pretty cool. You did. 
Thank you. So physical therapy, super intense, I imagine learning how to walk again. Yes. Yes. The first week when I was learning how to walk was insanely difficult because it felt like when I sat up a normal reaction that we're used to, it felt like boulders were on my back. It just felt like this whole new heavy space that I was carrying and my ears didn't pop for six months after my surgery, just to kind of give you how funny that is from, I went from five, two to five, four overnight. And so that altitude for whatever reason, my ears, I remember like sitting there trying to chomp down. I would chew on gum all the time, do like mouth <laughs> exercises to try to get my ears to pop. And they thank you for sharing that because that would be so <laughs> random and so annoying. <laughs> you know? Like that's the thing they don't tell you in the scoliosis manual, by the way, your ears won't pop because you're seeing the world at a higher elevation. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, they've messed with every equilibrium. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just had a treatment because I got knocked off because of walking with a boot because of my foot surgery and, you know, my, my back and everything was off and she did, she worked for an hour on my thigh. and I and I walked out not having a headache and my jaw feeling better Mm -hmm. because she just loosened up those muscles that were so freaking tight for everything else everything is so take that and magnify it by a thousand and that's what 15 year old Lori went through (laughs) <laughs> but you don't recognize that. I love that you mentioned that is even as an adult, I forget that often that if I'm hurting in a muscle in my back, that just getting that muscle massage and that tension in my back will help. Like you mentioned your head or your feet or your ankles. Cause everything is just woven right. together. Yeah. So and for- they didn't let me move my toe for two months. And now I'm in physical therapy for another two months to learn how to move my toe again. <laughs> I'm like all this drama for a toe. They should have just cut it off and let me go on my way. And my big joke was I should get a 10% discount on pedicures. <laughs> you know, I mean, they would have done back in the day, you know, just cut mm-hmm. it off and just your flesh has to heal, mm-hmm. but we're all connected, right? Yeah. You're going to have the best love toe ever. Yeah. It's looking a lot better. I mean, it's got a five inch (laughs) scar, but it's looking a lot better. Um, so again, toe to back here, let's stay focused. This is, um, how many, is it, is probably, is it point in the story to talk about how many surgeries you had to have? Cause I feel like that's really impressive. Mm -hmm. I, on this one, I just had one surgery. It was one major surgery where I did recovery for a year and a half. I had to learn how to walk again, um, dance again, picking up things. I don't bend over. I learned a lot of like squatting. So I've really, to this day, you don't bend over. No bending, none. So no bending in your back. Mm -hmm. Wow. So if people, cause those rods don't write, those rods would not be flexible. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, okay, everybody go put a two by four on your back strap it really hard girls across the girls just so you get some empathy there (laughs) and see how you do your day-to-day life 
Mm-hmm. And so you've just learned that's just how you do that, but that's probably taxed other muscle systems in your body. Yes. Like your knees, yeah. your ankles. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're still doing probably a form of physical therapy to keep the other parts of you mobile mm-hmm. from 15. So you just don't even, yeah. so you don't do jet skis. I don't know. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm when you, no, <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking how my back feels after that. And that was not a safe activity. And then I got whiplash once. Um, and so prom typical teenage experience. Did a boy ask you to prom? A boy did ask me to prom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm yep. so glad there was a good boy, but you can imagine they'd be like, Oh, you're taking the girl with the back brace and the rods in her Mac. You know, so good. There's a good, good young and boys ask out the girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There was, um, walking for me, the, the part of the first week after I had surgery, um, I, at that moment was, I was so depressed. Lita, I depressed is not the word for it. <laughs> no. I have a different word for chemical depression versus situational per- perfectly deserved eradication of the ability to feel positive emotions they need to come up with a term for that <laughs> after I died somebody said well you, the good news is you don't have after my daughter died not I died after my daughter died somebody said well the good news is you can't have postpartum depression and I was like, hmm. why is that? And they're like, well, because you're not waking up in the night, you know, because that, and I'm like, that might be a contributor to postpartum depression, but that is not the cause of postpartum depression. It is the hormones. Yes. That yes. cause a chemical thing that mm-hmm. causes postpartum depression that no lifestyle thing is going to eradicately move from you. Yeah. So let's, let's not minimize postpartum depression. And yes, I am allowed to be a little sad right now. A hundred percent validated. But that does not mean you need a pill per se. Right. Cause we gotta, we gotta have these two things separated. Mm-hmm. I'm all for medication, but when you have every right to be depressed, That's our society crazy. now is saying yeah. here, take a pill. Mm-hmm. And that might not be what your brain chemistry needs even mm-hmm. though you have all the depressions of not feeling motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Water, pharmaceutical, you know, I'll just take a swig <laughs> of water and go back to your story. I was really, I was defeated and just did not want to do anything. And there were multiple times where the doctors came in and said, you know, we need to walk a little bit today. This is going to help you to be able to feel better and I was no, 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 for the few first few days. But there was a little girl, I was up at primary children's hospital. And this is where everything shifted for me is there's a little girl that came in my room, could hear my sobbing and my moping. And she was eight years old, eight years old. She had a bald head. Ah. I knew what that meant. Yeah. She came in, held my hand this little eight-year-old. And oh said, my crap. I love this. You know how it feels to hurt. I can help you walk. Oh my crap. This little eight. girl's angel. Eight. eight. Yeah. Do you know her name? 
I don't. And I would love to, I've actually been thinking about trying to find her and search her out and see like, yeah, yeah. Was. But in that moment, that was, you know, my parents were not present. They, they just left. I was there alone. And this eight-year-old was the thing that I saw, looked at her. And I was like, if she of can mouth of babes, mm-hmm. that I little child's yeah. I mean, kids, man, they, they speak truth. And what you were just told us about your love of children and your, that nurturing you had, perhaps it was a child who needed to tell you that the most. Okay. Everybody just, okay. I love this story. <laughs> yep. She was my motivation of just, I started walking and it hurt, but I will tell you, The more I started walking, the more I found in me that I was stronger than I even knew. And every single step that I took was this feeling of just pride and gratitude and excitement in myself that I was showing up. Yes. Doing this walk, moving through it, even though I didn't want to. Yeah. But I was doing it. And that's where everything started to build my self-confidence of, I can do hard things. It's up to me how I choose to write my story, mm-hmm. but I have to take those steps. Yeah. Okay. So I know you're just over 21 today. So you've- <laughs> I love you. Thank Six you. Six years. <laughs> um, do you, I, I, the reason I want to ask your age is I know we're not supposed to ask ladies our age. I'm 49 in full disclosure um, is because of the impressive number of surgeries you've had to have since. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It kind of puts in relation like what it means to battle scoliosis. Mm. It's not a one-time event. It's not this 15 year old, though we love the eight year old that came in the room story um, that was not the end at all. No. Yeah. yeah. So let's let break it down like you did in that post that I was just like, Nelly. <laughs> Nelly. I am turning 40 this year. I'm super excited. Oh, yeah. So, 40. yes. It, it, you know, getting older, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm excited. It's not like I have a crooked back or anything, you know? <laughs> I know it's a really bad. Time. I keep shrinking though, Lita. It's hilarious because you're back to five two. Oh, I'm t- I'm totally back to five two, and my kids are all taller than me. And I'm like, wait, but like I was holding so tight to that five four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm imagining. Oh. Um, I'm imagining that the back. I mean, what what's the curve of your back now? I mean, is it still like straight rod because of those rods or? We're at, I got down to 22. Um, the rods are still in there, but there's still a curvature. So have, so question has, have they, have your body's internal pressure bent those rods over time? Not yet, but that's a possibility. It's more a matter of, I have the rods from the top of my neck down to my butt bone. And so the bones in my neck are actually now because of the rods, everything's compressing together. Okay. So slip disc and oh, okay. that factor. Okay. Because I really want to be able to say my friend Laurie is stronger than steel. Yes. 
we need, I need a shirt with that. I would love that. Yeah, like yeah. I can bend steel in my sleep, you know, like I just, just Norris, play, but I really want to like, you know, <laughs> kind of turn this, you know, to how you're basically superwoman. Oh yeah. Don't you no. agree? Don't you agree that that's how we should perceive this? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So mm-hmm. scolios people make the t-shirt. I, I, I give scolios foundation that raises money for research permission to still this fantasticness. <laughs> no one else, just, just people who raise money for scolios. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hereby patented. <laughs> As though that's how it worked. Uh, okay, so at 40 years old, from 15, your first surgery, how many surgeries have you had to have? That is the only surgery that, okay. that I had to have. Uh-huh. In, from 15 to 40, at least surgeries for my back. I've had multiple surgeries at different points, but that's the only one for my okay, back. Because I knew there have been multiple surgeries. Yes. Okay. So, cause it was an impressive number if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, it is from my back surgery to now just in general with surgeries, I've had 12. Yeah. That's yeah. 12. I mean, I've had a hysterectomy and I'm still like telling people about it. <laughs> That's an intensive, uh, surgery. Yes, but we are not talking about my hysterectomy right now. Do not distract me by asking <laughs> with a beautiful tone of your voice and, and, you know, interest. Okay, so well-played conversationalist, but we are talking about you, okay? So, uh, you know, but every time you have these surgeries, you're having to redo things and our bodies are meant to be moved as you and my last guest were talking about, but you, her for a different thing. Um, how each time that's going to bring up a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, so this is why I was so excited to have you on is because in that post that you shared about these surgeries and what you have to do on a day-to-day basis to take care of yourself, there was this strain of, no, not a strain. That sounds like it's this weak little thing. It was like this wave of the positivity and the resilience that you were choosing to have in it because the very same circumstances, somebody could be like, Oh, woe is me. Look at what I've had to deal with. I deserve special treatment in life. Mm-hmm. And you've never shown up that way and in how in our interactions that we've had. And even in this post that you could have very easily been like, it taught mm-hmm. and role modeled an attitude of resilience because we don't become resilient. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do, but it's through the choices we make. It's not, it's not just, you could become unresilient if you made different choices. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not, I, I want to make sure it's phrased that it's not this destination. It is you are choosing a hard choice mm-hmm. to do that. Yes. Yep. Every time I have surgery or a health issue that comes up, it's that conversation with myself of, am I going to let this defeat me or how am I going to love and support my body? What does my body need right now in this moment? Because I'm the only one that can take care of me. 
Right. And the way I choose to show up is what I'm going to get more of. Rather, it's the way you think, the way you feel, the way you treat your body, not treat your body. It's always going to come back mm-hmm. in some form. And here's the little girl. Let's remind the listeners to, you know, 45 minutes ago or whatever, that didn't even realize she had a scoliosis back and thought it was a cold (laughs) pain levels. And, you know, this is a great example of sometimes the best teachers of something are somebody who didn't come naturally to them. Mm -hmm. You naturally knew how to neglect yourself. And now you just gave the best little synopsis of I'm choosing in this moment. I'm showing up for myself because if I don't, it's going to come out in unintended ways. Yes. I mean, that was just like there that I always tell people in my speeches, if you think self-care is a bubble bath, you are missing the point. Mm -hmm. Self-care is work and it is hard and it has all the feels and you know, there's not like cute little music in the background. Like this is hard. That's called pampering. Yes. The best self-care that you just talked about what you do and what I teach in that speech is when it is ugly and hard and scary and terrifying. And everyone else around you is saying, you don't have to do this except for the Mm eight-year-old. And you decide to go forward because you know that that is the thing that you need to do to get to the next thing you want in your life. And if that's as simple as walking or breathing, you could make the argument it's not a choice, but a lot of people don't make that choice well. Mm -hmm. No one can do our journey for us. And that's why I like the whole thought of, I always go back to 15 years old, walking around the hospital, even as 40, I think of that moment because it re-reminds me that I'm the only one that can take the steps in my own journey. Okay. And what's so cool about that is going back to this kid, this little kid, Lori, who didn't know her feelings mattered. Mm-hmm. You didn't just take back the ability to walk in that moment, but you gave yourself permission that you got to make those choices now. And when kids do not have that moment or those series of moments where they realize that they are in charge of their own emotions, mm-hmm. you know, that's this, that's the descriptor of not becoming an adult, just regardless of your age. So you were forced with it in a really hard way, but you made that decision. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's such a beautiful thing to always go back to, because now you're like, if I could do that then at 15 with my brain high on being a teenager, I can do this at 39. I can do this at 40. I can do this at 50. I bring it on life. I've got this, whatever mm-hmm. you're going to bring on, you know, because you're like, I will make the choice. And that's a key step of resilience is making the decision that you will get through it. And so when every time we say, oh, I would die if that happened to me, is that really the message you want to be sending to your self-conscious mind? Yes. <laughs> you know? I don't think that's really what you want to be saying, Mm -mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and you just role modeled that perfectly. And again, that's why we got to have these conversations because I um, don't seem to ever have the experience of scoliosis, but I've been able to find threads in my life that connect and then to find awe 
at the things that I can't relate to, that here you are with a big smile and humor and joy and showing up for your life in without an ounce of victimness. And I love that. And that's why that, that's just, that just makes you hot. <laughs> right back at you. Hot friend. <laughs> well, if you're hot, you're hot. Okay. So Hi. my friend, if, is there, um, I wish we could go like, you know, even more, which is why I love these podcasts. I always want to like go more deeper, but you know, <laughs> can't do, I'm not Joe Rogan. So I can't have four hour podcasts. <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, right. I got to go do my job. But is there anything that you would like to share um, to close this up and to bring it home for the listeners? Mm, thank you for bringing that. Uh, just remembering that it's not just about you and who's watching you. So when you're showing up for yourself and you're taking those steps within your own life, whether you have kids or you have nieces or nephews or neighbors or teens in the schooling system, whatever is around you, they're watching to see what's possible as well by what you're showing within your own journey, being authentically who you are. Yeah. And I would say be the eight-year-old in the story. Yes. Be the eight-year-old. Yes. And be... (laughs) humble enough to listen to someone half your age because their experience might be different than yours or it might be the same as yours is about to be (laughs) you know to show each other out of that path you know there uh the bible says not to despise the youth the youth that is in you i'm slaughtering that verse but you know it's basically saying just because someone's young doesn't mean they don't know things and just because someone's old doesn't mean they don't know things you know yes I've learned a lot from my kids I feel like I'm the teacher but yet they teach me all the time like we all have something to share just like what we're doing right now there's things I'm learning about you that are just enlightening my life from hearing what you've shared today and just amen sister yeah and again you know little little bible here you know, edified together, right? That's, that's what, and that's why we need each other. And I think, you know, in 2020, we learned that all the more as a society mm-hmm. that we need connection and it's, um, you know, Zoom, despite the fact that we're using that format and, you know, audio, you know, encourage the listener to go have the conversations like what Lori and I just had with the people in your life, because I did not know that about Lori. You know, she is not a celebrity um, I mean, are you? And I'm just not aware of it. I just am Laurie. In yeah, all okay. the right. I just wanted there. to make sure because yeah. I've been guilty of not knowing who celebrities are, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know I, I'm making a joke to drive home the point that <laughs> there are people that are heroes in your daily life and get to know them. So, well, Laurie Schultrumfield, thank you so much <laughs> for being on this episode of Show Your Hotness.